welcome one and all to Tape Makers, the show where we listen, discuss, and then based only on our opinion, objectively rank every single album ever released in one single tiered list. I am your host, Josh Dollar, and with me today is the vibacious Jared Richard. Jared, how you be doing, boy? I'm doing well. Yeah? Uh, we uh, spent the day running around today. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to a Halloween party, which is uh, in two days. Uh huh. And uh, my partner doesn't have a costume, or di- didn't. I ah. she she has it put together now after running errands today. Right. To find some difficult to find things. I see. Uh, is there a? Do you want to give a little hint about what the the costume is going to be? Even though the show is going to come out after Halloween. My so my partner has blue hair. Hmm. And uh, the costume is a character with blue hair. Ooh, that's like at least 50 different characters off the top of my head, right? <laughs> I like uh, I like a little mystery in yeah, my life. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, fun, fun. You get up to anything else since we last talked? Like- uh, I, I built this thing back here. Yeah. Uh, it's a bass trap. Um, hopefully the room's sounding a bit better. I also... Uh, took the resonant heads out of these drums which oh. i think was part of what yeah i could see that was uh just shaking you the know, air resonating oh <laughs> foretell more maybe that's what they're uh maybe that's why they're named as such more research needs to be done but right yeah uh how have you been i've been all right um so as i've mentioned a, f- a few times on this show before uh i'm like almost 29 mm-hmm. well, like i say almost i'm like four months away from being 29 which basically means i'm almost 30 which basically means i'm almost dead right um i mean your life's basically over yeah exactly um so i've just been like getting just like accepting my fate a little bit more mm-hmm. of like i'm now just an old man like my bones hurt all the time uh I can't sleep well because I have a cat who wakes me up. So it's basically like having a kid. Uh, And so I've gotten into something that, you know, like we all have that problematic fave. Most people, it's like Amazon, right? It's like a fucking hate Amazon, but got to order stuff off Amazon or Facebook. It's like fucking hate Facebook, but got to be on it. Right. My problematic fave has been, I've gotten back into golf recently. Oh man, the bougiest sport there the, is. The most classist, like waste of space, like only for the wealthy mm-hmm. and the white to do sport. Right. But God, it's really fun to go around and and, and walk on it is grass fun. for it like is two fun. to four hours. I was ta- I was actually having a conversation with Ivory about this recently because I was talking mm-hmm. about how like no there there are tennis courts all over Salem. You know how many times I've seen people playing tennis? None. Once. Yeah. One time. And I've lived in Salem basically my whole life. Right. Uh, and, like, yeah, tennis is also kind of a bougie sport. Very because bougie sport. It, you know, it's not like a tennis court takes up a huge amount of space, but it does mm-hmm. take up quite a bit of space. Right. Um, for a maximum of four people to be playing a game at once. Yes. And so, like, team sports where it's like you got basketball or football, yeah, that like a football field takes up a lot of space, but you have like what 30 people on the field at a time, yeah, 22 to 30 ish, depending. Yeah, tennis, you got a max of four people, right? Yeah, well, especially like, and then golf, it's like, whoo, whoo, the body, the body to uh to field ratio is uh pretty far off in that one, 
Yeah, no, uh, golf, uh, bowling, and billiards kind of fit within the same whole, like, it doesn't matter what your body shape looks like, as long as you can do the one thing well. <laughs> right, the one uh, thing that matters. Yeah, um, yeah, no, there's actually, like, a, a very small groundswell in, in Salem, because Salem has a very small, like, soccer scene, but mm. a very small groundswell to be like, listen, what if we take all of these tennis courts and just get rid of the tennis nets, and then it's just a futsal court? And just play like five aside little foot futsal like soccer. I don't know what this is. What so is- so it's um you play with a smaller soccer ball and it's uh-huh. five aside and there's a goal in each net and so it's a smaller net and the ball itself is a little heavier than a mm-hmm. regular soccer ball, but it's literally you just play five on five soccer and you, it's more keeping the foot the soccer ball on the ground. It's not long passing as much. It's about a, a lot more technical skill because you're in right in such a confined space. But yeah, it's basically just small-sided soccer games interesting and i mean that makes up there are definitely way more people that play soccer in salem yeah well they just built a new tennis they just built a new tennis court right by where i live which is right by north salem yeah which is like that's what sparked the conversation because i used to go to school there and i'm like what neither parish the middle school that's right there nor north have tennis programs as far as i'm aware maybe north has a tennis program now or it's like a club sport where it's like the three rich kids at north are like my kid deserves to play tennis i i don't if you're if your parent if your family (laughs) income is high enough that you're like i need my child to be like part of a of a sport that defines their class status, uh-huh. you're not going to public school in Salem. I pro- at, or, at, at least if you are, you're at West Salem. Yeah. Or you live in those like kind of the kind of nicer um, housing neighborhoods around North Salem, but you've been able to convince the city my kid is too too posh too posh for <laughs> North. So uh, send him to Sprague, send him to South, or anything like that. Right. Yeah, God. Mm. Salem politics. Welcome to Tape Makers. Welcome this to Tape Makers. What we're here for. If we actually get into what we're here for, you ready to talk about some albums? Uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, albums sound like yeah. a good time. Albums do sound like a good time. Uh, you, you want to start with Wilson? I want to start with Wilson. Let's start with Wilson. What a fucking departure from the last episode. This album is indeed. It is. It is probably the most l- low distorted album we've talked about so far. You say that. But well, okay. I have some comments that no, we'll get to. That's fair. Um, let me rephrase. Low energy, definitely accurate, but not in a bad way. So we'll get into it. Let me let me introduce the album a little bit. So we're talking about "I Go Missing in My Sleep" by Wilson. Wilson is spelled with an E. Uh, it was released April twenty eighth of twenty seventeen. It was the debut of the trio. Um, after they released two EPs earlier than that, uh, the band consists of Tasman Wilson, which, uh, her name is actually spelled with an O, but I think they just named the band Wilson with an E for to, to differentiate. Yeah. Because I think being more unique. Yeah. And I think Wilson was already a band or it's just easier to search. Or they just really like the band Hanson. Yeah. Cause they're also Uh, spelled E N at the end. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, mbop, baby. Mbop. That's a that's yeah. a that's an mbop. Mm, that's what that is. <laughs> um, then uh, Johnny Simon, um, and Drew Art, uh, Ta- uh, Tamson was guitar and vocals mm-hmm. on the album. Um, Johnny was guitar, and then Drew was bass. 
Uh, and then all the drums are just drum machines. Okay. Um, yeah, so that was fun. It's, uh, I originally remember this being a little more psychedelia than it actually was, but it, mm-hmm. it, for me, it fits more into uh, dream folk. Than, dream folk. Yeah, kind of like dream pop, you know, that the okay, whole, like... Okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it, the whole, like, if the music, if a music genre was putting Vaseline over the camera lens. <laughs> um, but it still it has a little bit of psychedelia in there as well. A little um, bit, yeah. Yeah, and it was uh, recorded by Secret City Records uh, over in New York. They, re- they recorded over two days. Sorry, not two days, two weeks. Uh, one week was in New York where they brought all their own gear and did that. And then they recorded for a week in uh, Philadelphia at a different mm. recording studio, which I wasn't able to get a whole lot of information on because this is the first band we've done that doesn't have a Wikipedia profile. Whoa. Interesting. Because yeah. yeah, yeah. very, it was very easy to find the lyrics for these songs. Right. Like yeah. So it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, this entire album was written d- during the times right before Sunrise. Uh, by Tamsin in by Tamsin in her Brooklyn apartment because she was w- working a, a job that got her off like late at night right. you know classic musician right <laughs> stuff um, so yeah so they also recorded most of the vocals during that time mm. as well so like from that like three to six mm. time a.m. time frame as well yeah so uh, what are your what are your overall thoughts to start. Overall thoughts on this album are that I don't think there is a bad track on this album. Okay. Uh, I think that w- as the same with a couple other albums we've discussed previously, I think that the good tracks on this album are dragged down by the entire album being too homogenous. Okay. Um, there are, there are some tracks that I really thoroughly enjoy on it, um, but... It was it was hard to sit and listen to this front to back, okay. Um, just because the whole album kind of has a very, if we're talking about dynamic range, yeah, uh, it's very limited. Yes, which is intriguing mm-hmm. because it makes very minute changes feel a lot bigger. Yes, uh, I think it's a good album i think it could have been a lot better okay okay yeah no um there's a lot of bias in this take um Mm -hmm. for me obviously because i'm I'm the one that recommended this but like this is like a thousand percent my jam when it comes to music i know um i do appreciate the comment that is homogenous which it is Mm -hmm. um but i think this is one of the more complete albums we've listened to because mm-hmm. everything flows because it is such a compressed dynamic range and all of the changes are so minute mm-hmm. that it just flows track to track to track to I track. I want to specify really it. well. The, when I say when I said dynamic range with that comment I wasn't talking about the literal dynamic range of volume. Yeah, no. In the uh, whole yeah. thing I was talking about uh like energy and and, yes. and overall emotive content mm-hmm. of the album. No, for sure and that that's still what I mean is that like it just continues the same vibe Mm -hmm. for almost the entire album um this is a it's fall time right now and Mm -hmm. like this is a perfect album for like oh definitely fall time like if i found found this when i was 16 if this existed when i was 16 right i would have put it on my autumn music playlist i used to make playlists for each season right yeah back when you were cool back when i was (laughs) um 
Yeah, and I, I think kind of also what you said is that there's still a decent amount of variety within the song structure, even though every single song is within that same kind of tempo and sound and style. Right. Like they still vary it up to such a degree that it would be easy for them not to, I think. Hmm. I disagree with that. Okay. Um. So, like, one thing that I sort of was harping on, you can you can ask Ivory about that. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the vocalist, her voice is great mm-hmm. and works so well on like three tracks. Oh, okay. Um, and on the rest of the album, it's not that she's doing a bad job of performing. It's not that she's not singing well. Right. It's just that it is the same spot in her range Mm. the same general tempo the same very legato sort of sweeping melodies that aren't particularly interesting to me okay um and lyrics that are very underwhelming to me most of the time okay um and that's just one example uh part of like one of the things throughout the album that's very interesting is how much they like to play with empty, I'm doing air quotes, empty yeah, yeah. empty space. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there are tracks where it works really well, and then there are tracks where it's like, this just feels like you have nothing else to offer okay. other than a chord on a downbeat. Right. Um, I, I feel, I like, <laughs> I'm going to be on this point a lot through the discussion no, okay. of this That's album, but, but it feels like it really needed to be more varied than it was to me. Right. And I think on this album, this is kind of what comes down to whether or not you, you think it's a great album or a good album mm-hmm. is did the kind of more one noteness of it work for you or did it not work for you? Right. And for me, I think it worked almost you know i do have some complaints about the album you know i'm not here saying it's a perfect album and the best songwriting in the entire world mm-hmm. it hits me it hits me in a certain emotional space as well so i, I definitely know i'm a little biased on that mm-hmm. um but i think for the most part when they do add in synth they added in really well when they kind of go to the bag of tricks that they do have they're used pretty well you know like a clean de- uh delayed uh, electric over the top of an acoustic that's finger picking right. and it could just be that um, that is a, a style of music that i'm very familiar with mm-hmm. you know folk is one of my go-tos mm-hmm. uh this specific style of like indie folk pop um and the finger picking your way through an acoustic while an electric is over top or finger picking your way through a clean electric where a slight very very lightly distorted mm-hmm. electric is over the top of it I, i've heard so many different variations of that i i want to say that i love the the guitar tones throughout this album oh like yeah so the, warm so lush but also so bright at the same time their ability to get brightness uh, i would argue so <laughs> no you're okay to uh, disagree but i i think it would have been easier for them to have darker guitar tones mm. but they went for they specifically chose brighter sounding not like crispy poppy bright right but like brighter guitar tones within the realm of what they were going for what that reminds me of is that uh the overall tone of this album is extremely warm which is which fits very well Mm -hmm. for the music um but uh, is part of what makes it so homogenous yes um 
it feels like you know i don't have a good enough ear to say like oh there's a certain frequency range <laughs> right. but like there is a certain like threshold mm-hmm. above which very few instruments very rarely ever go above right. just in terms of the frequencies yeah um it's a very warm and very and and this this is the thing is that production wise it's extremely intriguing right um the majority of this album is very quiet yeah there are parts where it swells and it gets louder but but the majority of it is very quiet and i made a point Mm -hmm. on my last listen through to listen with headphones because Uh, the reason i said the word empty with air quotes before that there were a lot of times where i'm like wow they they like just put a completely blank space here in the middle of this song that's so like that that's really (laughs) yeah uh, why is valiant the word that that's coming to mind that's really brave or whatever (laughs) uh but but then listening with headphones, it's like, oh, no, there's like a little bit of synth going in the background. Yeah. Or there's like a little reverb trail that's still going or whatever. Yeah. Um, which is re- like, yeah, there was a lot of production decisions that are really cool and really interesting mm-hmm. throughout this album that just occur too many times through this album. For that, me. I, I get where you where you go for me. <laughs> I love it. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's my it's my shit. It's like a thousand percent my shit. And I will own that. I will own that I'm heavily <laughs> biased towards not just this album, but this style of like dreamy psychedelia, like folk poppy. Mm-hmm. Like it's definitely folk. It's definitely pop. It's a little bit of, you know, mid thousands or mid tens indie. Mm-hmm. But then just like interesting production decisions, interesting instrumentation decisions, um, messing with synths in, a, in an interesting way, adding in different delays echoes reverbs on everything mm-hmm. um it's just, it just hits me right where i'm like yeah this is the type of music that i want to listen to the majority oh, yeah. of the time and i'm like you know we'll get into tracks but there are right. there are a good handful of tracks that i'm like this is the, everything falls into place on this one right. and it works so well right 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 um just a few more notes before we get into the tracks yeah let's do it um so the band actually formed in boston um, because um, Tamsin is originally from um, the UK. Yeah. And she does have a l- very little, light yeah. accent. But then moved to uh, the US to do Berkeley College of Music, mm-hmm. but not for performing, for uh, production hmm. at Berkeley. But then just started going to, you know, open mic nights, singer songwriter stuff, and got connected with other people who are like, listen, this person and this person, you got to play with them. <laughs> And they're like, okay, cool, yeah, I'll play with people. Um, and so that's how they got formed. That's a um, that's a great backstory. <laughs> Somebody else being like, you, you, <laughs> you, start a project together. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like they're right. the both um, both Johnny and Drew are both just like, yeah, no, we're here to provide the background for your vocals and your lyrics to like thrive. Right. Like they they all know their roles in the band so well and, right. and embrace it. That definitely comes through. Yeah, I guess the only other thing um, is that one of the reasons that they got a bit more um, publicity than what they probably might have um, otherwise is that uh, the band Daughter, which is another indie folk dream psychedelia trio, um, in an interview in 2015. I believe we're talking about bands that they love and they're like, Oh, Wilson, you got to check out Wilson. It's some of the, the dopest shit that we've ever heard <laughs> type thing. Um, so they got a little bit of uh, publicity from that. And then, you know, they, they did eventually get the ability to tour, to tour with daughter, I believe as well. So nice. yeah. 
Um, yeah, so we'll start with we'll start with the first song, first Centipede. Song. Uh, yeah, I uh, actually bringing that up, uh, bringing bring, bringing up the first song. Yeah, let's bring up the first uh, song, <laughs> which is literally about a centipede. I feel like in general, going forward with this podcast, we should just assume that we're going to talk about the first track Most on an album. I, I feel like there's no, <laughs> I feel like there's no situation in which uh, the first track on an album is not something that we right. need to address, <laughs> <laughs> unless but, it's an, a song that we really fucking hate. Right. Well, I mean, there, there's definitely, yeah, we'll get into it. Um, <laughs> like it's so bad that we're like we're not even going to acknowledge that the song exists. Yeah. No. Let's, let's just go to the second. That. Yeah. But then yeah. we would just call that the first track. So well, the, first, <laughs> the first track on this album yeah, is Centipede. Centipede. And it was written about an actual centipede. Like she just wrote it about like just there was a centipede in her apartment and she was just like And she was on acid. Oh, well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but just like writing down the experience of watching the centipede and the centipede being in her apartment at, at the same time as her and mm. just like that shared experience. Um Yeah. What what how do you feel? Um, I think that this is a great start to this album. Mm, um, yes, it's one uh, one of the better tracks. It's one of the more dynamic tracks. Yes, um, for sure, for sure, and sort of one of the more full tracks in terms of production. Mm. Uh, it's a. It's one of those where, like, the spaciness of it, right? Um, being the first track, like, this is part of why I think we should always talk about first tracks is that, like, it's an introduction to what is coming. Oh, a hundred percent, yeah. And and so the spaciness of it, the sort of like empty space that they like to use throughout their songs, is very present in in this song, especially during the beginning, like the first half of it, right? Um, and. I don't think that it necessarily adds to the song okay. as much as maybe other tracks it does. Mm. Um, but being the first song, it, it is sort of like a good like setting up your expectations of right. like this is this is what you're going to be listening to for ten more tracks after this. the bass on this track as mm-hmm. well i think the bass line carries the this song really well mm-hmm. which the bass does a, a, a fair bit throughout the entire album yeah i, think, as I was well. going to say the bass i love the way they use bass throughout this album because it's much more melodic than rhythmic oh 100 uh, yeah and that's something that uh when it's done well it's done <laughs> it, it does it does it for me right yeah um and it and they also went for the exact tone that they needed for it which uh-huh. was an extremely warm not much attack very um it sort of flows from note to note it wobbles a, very, a little bit yeah yeah uh it's uh it's lovely works perfectly for the song oh yeah uh just let me swim in that reverb man <laughs> just let me swim in all the reverb on all the things mm-hmm. um I, it's so lush um and I'll, I'll use this term a few times so i want to explain what i mean for it now mm-hmm. wall of sound is traditionally a, a topic or a, a description of music where it's just loud guitar noise completely just in your ear forever and i'm referencing right. it 
for me it's just like it's this base layer of noise that is always there and it's mm. this um you know like it's the platter on everything on, on what everything yeah. else is i gotcha so i'm gonna reference a wall of sound a few times but that's kind of what i mean is like this this base not the layer, traditional meaning not the but... traditional but like there's just this wall of like music that then they're or it's just sound in general that then they're like okay and then we're gonna put the guitar here and the the drums mm. here and the um but yeah i think this is a, a good job of that as well um it has a slightly darker tone in the middle mm-hmm. um which they do a lot as well which they kind of either hint towards or specifically go towards darker themes or lighter themes depending on what where they start mm-hmm. the song which i think is also just a very clever songwriting tactic when the entire album is kind of about those moments right, right. before yeah the, turning from one to the other yeah um and yeah just the the vocal delay and the layering on the bridge uh adds a lack of feeling anchored in the world which i mm-hmm. think they were kind of going for as well with all of that stuff we promised we'd leave to So yeah, I, I think this is just a, a great like use of production decisions and mm. layering on sound after sound after sound to create the the very specific effect you're going for while it still feels incredibly stripped down. Right. That's musically. that's what's super impressive to me about this album. Um is that especially li- like listening uh, I mostly listen to this uh at work with a Bluetooth speaker and then in my car. Right. Um and it was like, oh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of like really softly mixed stuff going on here. Right. Um, but I would mostly be hearing like, okay, yeah, there's the acoustic, there's the electric, the drums or whatever the drums may or may not be doing in a given song. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then uh, maybe here, like here's a little hint of synth every now and then. Right. But listening with headphones. There are so many things going on right. that just are not that are not present otherwise. No, yeah. Um, which I'm not saying is a is a bad thing or a good thing inherently. Yeah. There are headphone albums and there are non-headphone albums, and this is a headphone yes, album. Yes, this is a. It's this just is in that category. Or good speaker setup, or whatever. You right. Want to, yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize how much synth was on this album until I gave it like the the headphone listen. I yeah. was like, "Wow, there's and the, a lot of synth there, on this there's album. So much, so many very very gently mixed yeah. in layers, just to sort of uh, it's great. Yeah. Also, um, this uh, was the first time they had really played around with synth in the studio mm-hmm. because they had never had access to a synth before they got like recording in the recording studio. Was like, "Hey, we got synths," and they're like, "Oh, you have synths, you say." I gotta I gotta specify this as we go forward. Headphone album does not exactly mean you need to listen to it on headphones. Right. It means that it's an album that you have to sit and listen mm, to mm. intently. Got you. Like yep. not doing something else. Right. If you want to get the full experience of you're this connected album. by the chord to the music. Right. Yeah. And like you know the argument could be made that. The, that all music can benefit from that to some degree, but there are albums where it's like, no, you have not heard this album unless you intentionally sat right. and turned off all other distractions and listened to this album the way exactly. you would watch a movie in a theater right. or the yeah, way yeah, yeah. you would watch a play in a theater or whatever. Watch an <laughs> opera in a theater. Or watch a ballet in a... Wait, 
yeah, theater. The theater. <laughs> or watch a musical act in a theater. Or watch a music video in a theater. <laughs> Wait. Or watch it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Garden is my next star. Yes, if, if that, is, that is my on. next one as well, which was uh, the single from the album. That makes sense. Yes, it does. It's uh, the best song on the album. It's 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 real good. It's it real good. Um, just a really lovely um, guitar in the intro. Mm-hmm. Just the the way that, and they do this a few times, but this is probably the best like implemented like intro guitar that they have throughout the the entire album. Um, yeah, just it it just hits in the way that it should. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, the the synth rising throughout kind of the the key kind of playing through a, a progression an arpeggiated mm-hmm. progression as well super inspired but also really nice mm-hmm. really 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 nice i really enjoyed that again that bass man always that bass always and forever yeah um and this is one of the moments that i pointed out as the electric guitar adding a little bit of brightness to the song right um and that I, also... I, I understand what you mean now more in terms of feel than in terms of yes. actual tonal characteristics yeah say that we'll hold on to this time say that Yeah, that this is a track where all of the things that I've mentioned up to this point fall together perfectly. Oh yeah. Uh like the it's so well layered, the points where there are quote unquote empty spaces are so well executed and mm-hmm. so so perfectly placed in time. Um, the, the lyrics are good. The voice works perfectly for the content of the song. Yes, yes, yes. Um, the guitars are, are doing exactly what they need to do. And the bass is doing, doing the thing that it does throughout this whole album. And, and everything here works for me. And this is hands down my favorite track on the album. It's it's a, it's a solid, it's a solid ass track. I don't know if it's my favorite. It's definitely top like two. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it, there's a few that I'm like, ooh, maybe, but also just because I, I know this album so well. Right, like, <laughs> you, I, you love this album. Yeah. You can't just pick a favorite. Exactly. From, yeah. yeah. Um, I love the fact that um, they drop all of the echo and delay and reverb on the vocals when they go into the second verse. Yeah. As well, where it's just this kind of almost overwhelming sound coming from everything, and then it just all goes away, mm-hmm. and then they start slowly building it back right. on and. Uh, Oh, so good. And also the the bass does get a little distorted. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciate that choice because this is an album full of clean sounds for the most part coming right. from the instruments. So to have the bass be like, it's it's on the edge of distorted, slightly, just slightly peaking right. over uh, the gain limit of what the album mm-hmm. or what the um, amp or what the uh, recording studio itself or however they got the distortion out of it, like just... A, fantastically produced track mm-hmm. um yeah um the next one i have down is auto uh yeah that's my next star too actually okay yeah um i said it was menacing but in a really positive way like uh, it has a very menacing sound but not in a bad way but in a way i'm like yeah it it, it should have it this has, kind of <laughs> it, it has as much of an edge to it as any song on this album could possibly have an edge yes exactly and to <laughs> to to analogize analogize to analyze that more <laughs> 
you know, I'm, I'm talking about instead of being a warm blanket, it is now a butter knife wrapped in a warm blanket. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a fork or a spork, maybe a spork wrapped in a warm blanket. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the level of uh, aggression that this. Oh, song... you know what it actually is? It's when you accidentally like leave something in your bed and you for- you forget about it, and it just has like a little bit of a like it's a. I'm gonna say like when you've been eating cheeses in bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you just roll over, and then if cheeses had more of a, a less of a breaking quality about them. <laughs> But uh, it, it's like that thing where like you're super warm, you're super cozy, you're ready to go, and then you accidentally roll over onto something that you forgot was on your bed, and you're like, ah, oh. It's so good. Yeah. I th- also on an album full of kind of like, em- as you were saying earlier, em- empty quote unquote mm-hmm. spaces. This is the song on the album that has the most empty right. space. And they just use it to be like, you're going to have nightmares about this. Not bad nightmares, <laughs> but nightmares. Like you're going <laughs> to, you and I have very different feelings about this song. I think, I think that you get much more into these small changes in the yes, dynamic energy of this yes. album than, than I do. Um, yeah, I, so like, Oh, the chords in this song, they're, they're great. There's, there's this one, I'm sure it's like some it diminished or half diminished or something. I, I don't know. Berkeley College of Music. I don't have a good enough <laughs> ear to say, say right, exactly yeah. what it sounds like, but it's got that kind of like, Ooh, it's, it's got a little bit of a, a, a bite to it. Not a bite, but like a, like a abrasion. Mm, okay. Yeah. Abrasiveness to it. Like you accidentally rub up against a um, wall. And it's, and it's so, uh, uh, um, it, it it's not regularly le- used throughout the song, right? But it's just perfectly pops in every now and then, mm. just to remind you that this is not a a song that you can cuddle up with, right? Uh, it's very it's a it's very human. Yes. Also, um, this is mostly vocal work throughout mm-hmm. the entire track, and you can just tell this is a talented vocalist, and my goodness, what a striking voice that mm-hmm. she has. Um, and then some of the, the lyrics on this that I pulled, um, which the lyrics on this were like mostly fine. It was more kind of like trying to set an emotion and a scene rather than mm. strong lyricism. I think, um, this city is a thief and you knew it. Take another bite, another piece, dragging the soul from me. Those stories that you auto, they were never big enough to keep you. We were never big enough to keep you. I, uh, Speaking of lyrics, would like to point out that there is very little rhyme in this album very as little. a whole. Yeah, um, which uh, if we're talking about lyrics, there is one song we will get to that I think is that uh, that I think has actually good lyrics. Mm-hmm. For the most part, the lyrics on this album don't do much for me. Yeah, that's I, I would say that's fair. Um, and I think that the uh, I think the lack of rhyme is part of that. Mm. Um, we kind of had this discussion when we talked about Ten by Pearl Jam. 
I've, I've already finished that. <sighs> Poor Vu. Thank you. Thank you. And also, thank you, Pearl Jam. <laughs> uh, I don't... It's not that uh, a lack of rhyme in lyricism mm-hmm. denotes um, a lack of ability to write good lyrics. It's not that there aren't uh, emotions that are more properly conveyed through prose. Right. Um, in fact, a lot of times being constrained to rhyming makes makes it more difficult, if not impossible, to convey the emotion that you're trying to. Yeah. Um, but it is something that if, you know, if lyrics rhyme but don't have much emotional impact to me, then right. it's like at least they rhyme. <laughs> but when okay. they when it when it's prose and it doesn't have much emotional impact on me, I'm like, what are you doing? Right. Well, this entire album feels a little more um, lyrically, a little more train of thoughty, mm-hmm. um, which I again I think really fits in well with the. I I think it theme. works really well sometimes. Yes. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> and I. I uh, this is another album that is is themed. Like mm-hmm. we'll we'll talk about in the uh, or the second album that we talk about, and it'll be interesting to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think lyrically it fits with kind of more of the the theme within the writing, and it, it explains more of when it was being written and why it was being written. Um, and yeah, I'm you know I'm not trying to defend the lyrics here and saying that they're great right. or anything, but it's like I think it fits mm-hmm. um, maybe a little bit more than you're a fan of that i i think that that's uh the general uh <laughs> any any somewhat negative opinion i have about this album that's gonna yeah, be the for sure for sure um, <laughs> your opinion what do you want to talk about next uh um, positive or do you have any negatives do you want do you have anything bad you want to talk well, about see that's the thing is that uh from here th- that's the album kind of loses me yeah that's um fair. i mean uh the two songs we didn't talk about, Kitsilano and Heavy Steps, were both whatever songs to me. Yeah. Um, I, they're a little more straightforward on kind of like singer-songwriter, I think. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why they're a little more whatever um, for both of us. Um, even though I do really like the guitar intro on Heavy Steps, where it's an acoustic and electric kind of playing with each other and then slightly differing every now and then. Right. I think that was a really good production choice again. Mm-hmm. But again, I, you know, we don't need to spend any time on them outside that really. Right. That's uh see, that's the thing. I, I don't think that there is a bad track from here on out. I don't right. think the, the only track that I really want to talk about is the last track. So okay. uh, if you have something, yeah, the only other one I want to talk about outside of told you, which is the last track on the album is final. <laughs> Which isn't the which is not the last <laughs> track on the album. Which I and that doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> Why would it? Yeah, so it's the most folksy, acoustic, and vocally. I think the the album gets mm-hmm. in general. It is almost exclusively her and uh, the acoustic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so much emotion I think is p- pulled out of the vocal performance as well. I I think her voice really oh, transmits. You know what? Sorry. <laughs> uh, one of my issues with this album, I got my songs mixed up. Oh, you... fi- Final is actually... <laughs> final is the one I wanted to talk oh, you about. Oh, you want to talk You want to talk about the final song, but not the last song. Right. Um, okay, that's good. Yeah, I, I do want to talk about the last song, but we're on final now, so we're good. Um, there's impending instrumentation throughout the entire song, 
that mm-hmm. feels like there's like this oncoming storm that just never actually hits, which right. I really like. I really appreciate that. God, I love edging. Ugh. Uh, these are the best lyrics in the album, hands down. Okay. Um, I I th- literally started writing that these lyrics are not good enough to justify mm. the sparse production and the right. the uh obvious focus like i mean this whole album has a focus on her voice and on the lyrics right but this song more so than any other song is like pay attention yes um and getting through the first few stanzas worth of of material i was like these lyrics aren't good enough to justify like how little is happening musically right right now yeah and then by about halfway through Mm -hmm. uh i was like i'm wrong i literally (laughs) i have it crossed out right here (laughs) and then i wrote best lyrics in the album yeah no um the lyrics i pulled um that i thought did a a good encapsulation of the entire album or not album song itself Mm -hmm. uh was my darling girl he said there is no reason and no rhyme for those we love and those we bid goodbye Mm -hmm. there is no reason and no rhyme there is no reason no alibi for those we love There's just a moment too soon or a second too late The phantom of warmth and outline of swords Those moments too soon or a second too late Oh, sing to me of love Yeah, and, and also just the vocal delay and the echo that they do throughout this entire song um, Again, leading to kind of like this feeling of a bigger thing is about to happen And they always mm-hmm. just pull away from it And it's... Uh, Love it. Um, and this is one of those songs where because, you know, with it being one of the least uh, full s- tracks in terms of production. Right. Um, very small thing. Like, it, you know, it's like we've already got a very small change in dynamics across <laughs> yeah. the full album. But then in this song, it's like we're looking at microscopic <laughs> changes that make for a drastic difference. Right. Yeah. Um, and there are these swells of, uh, of vocal reverb and delay that, that just, Oh, they just hit it just the right moments. Right. And then there's also like, it sounds like there's about to be bass, about to be synth, about to be drums, right? Like about it's to about guitar- to pop off, but uh-huh. then no one shows up. Yeah. Um, one of the best lines in this song is when everything cuts out, uh it's sort of all there's this reverb swelling mm-hmm. and it all cuts away pretty pretty hard yeah to see i know not of life and even less of loss mm. and it's so um it works it probably hit me in particular uh because in uh in the last like two months i lost both of my grandfathers right yeah um and that's really the first time anybody in my life that i've really known mm. um that I've, that I've that i've that's really been a part of my life has ever died right um and it was like a back-to-back thing yeah um and and so for a long time i was just like i don't know how i handle death because i've never had to before right um and so that, yeah, that one line really, like, fucking hit me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which I think shows the power of the lyrics in this entire album, mm-hmm. which if you had not 
unfortunately lost both your grandparents in you know the past two months but it, was, it was my dad's dad and my mom's dad so yes. both of my grandfathers sorry yeah 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 both your grandfathers um but if you had not lost them over these past two months mm-hmm. that line may not have hit you at all oh no 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 it's 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 the song is very well written and i still would have said <laughs> that these are the best lyrics in the song but that right. that one line specifically was just like the you know the you last two months I, I i myself went through this transition of right. i don't know how i handle death to i now have done that for the first time right am still doing that will continue uh, to do so will yeah. continue to do so it's yeah. not something that just happens and then goes away yeah um and and so yeah for that for that that specific lyric had more meaning to me mm-hmm. but it still would have been something that i would have pointed to and been like this is this is good writing. This right. is how you write a good song in prose. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah, just expertly done. Um, and then they go, they have one track more. Yeah. And it's my least fucking favorite. Okay. Tell me why you don't like it. Yeah. I wrote least favorite, least favorite. Okay. Um, the heavy drums are just like unearned. Um, the whole track is like four chords yeah. on a loop. Um, which, you know, it's one of those things that's not inherently bad, uh, but Mm -hmm. it has to have enough, enough not going on to cover it up, but enough going on to justify that that's all that's happening in terms of how all of these notes are working together. Mm -hmm. Um, the vocal melody is the same as through the rest of the album and on the tracks that I didn't care about where it's just these kind of very legato sort of almost haphazard sort of things Mm, that I that doesn't do it for me um the the heavy drums when they come in and when the guitars come in and everything it's very unearned to me like there's not enough emotional content to lead up to that okay it just nothing in this out in this track Mm. works for me (laughs) I think I just I think the song's a little too long. Mm-hmm. It is the longest song on the track. It's a yeah, it's, it's like a six, six minutes. Six twenty. Mm. Um I disagree on on the drums and the guitar. I'm not saying that they're not earned, mm-hmm. but I, I I enjoy them a lot. And I think this kind of falls into the whole the the entire album sounds so similar mm-hmm. um when it comes to how they instrumentalize everything and where the vocals sit and what the tempo is right um i think this is probably the most up-tempo song on the entire track um, uh maybe a parting might be might be a little faster yeah it might but, be uh, but this is definitely the most full band feeling and see i think that's maybe why this mm, is my least favorite track it's right. not that they shouldn't have done that it's just that this is that on the album right and it's not this it's not a high point right yeah. you know like it, it's, no, it's, it's almost like this thing i'd been waiting for for so long and then they finally give it to me and it's so underwhelming to me it's like a, a sequel to a video game that it's, you're like oh man what if they just didn't they could have not it's like this whole like you know it's like the whole time that i'm listening through this album i'm like this is so good i can't wait for 
a track. Give, give me one track where <laughs> right. everything comes in at once and everything's working together right. and we and and it's all like a full production sort of situation mm-hmm. uh just to balance out all of this emptiness. And then they they're like, oh, you want us to do that? How about you get four chords on a loop, yeah, <laughs> on a super warm piano, and probably not an actual piano. Yeah, yeah, warm uh, sounding. W- the super keys. warm sounding keys, yeah. and and then uh, the drums are the most interesting thing happening, and they're only there half of the time. Right. And then there's a boring melody, and the guitar is just kind of playing with the delay and nothing else. I I really like the, the guitar personally. Personally, I I really like the the delayed guitar, it's, the the ta- the attack that it does have, the way that it, mm-hmm. it plays around within everything, the fact that it is kind of the only it takes over the melody line from the vocals at some points mm-hmm. for me. Um, it's I, not, I like it a lot. It's personally. not bad. It's just not enough. It's not what you wanted. It's not. It's not what I wanted. And no, that's so it's fair. Just, and and it's not interesting enough for me to point to it as like this is something that does work in this song. Right. Like the drums are the only thing that are remotely interesting to me, and mm-hmm. uh, those aren't even played by a real person. I guess. So. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, for me, it's just like I don't know. Maybe this is. Uh, this is definitely my uh, emotional bias taking over. I'm just like, oh, yes, these are the vibes that I want to finish this off because I want to be like dry. I, this is an album where I'm like, and this is this is the song where I'm driving off into the sunset and I'm never <laughs> turning my, you know, it's it's. See, I, I feel I'll like admit. that's a different song on this album. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I couldn't name but, it because, God, all these songs sound the same, but... <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Uh, but let's get to what some other people thought about yeah, let's... Uh, this album when it came out. Uh, so I pulled from stuff that's a little more niche indie, not as mainstream, because this is there was an indie released album that... And you're biased. And I, no, actually, almost every single. Uh, I only pulled <laughs> reviews that agree with my sentiment. Um, no, bigger um, outlets just didn't cover it. Um, so this is what I was able to find um, from Lemon Wire. Um, Eric uh, Carlson gave it an eight point one out of ten. Okay. He said the music is both complex and non-intrusive, giving the listener the choice to lose themselves in the dynamic web of sound that Wilson weaves or alternatively let the music pass over them like a cloud that is both beautiful and nebulous. God, I love the word nebulous. It's a good word. All right. Uh, DIY mag, which uh, we we went to last week, so we're, we're diving back in. All right. Will Richards uh, gave it four stars. And said, this album pulsates with the idea of Tamsin Wilson wrestling with those all-too-common midnight thoughts, trying to find some peace at times when, despite the common saying, the city was almost asleep. In its final form, Wilson's debut is big, bright, melodic guitar lines sprinkled across the whole thing. I, I disagree a little bit with the bright and the big guitar. And bright. Yeah. I think those are the opposite of what how I would describe this album. This I think... Album- it's very, it's very tiny. Very it's warm. little. Yeah. It's fat. It's little and fragile. Yeah, and very warm. Needs to be taken yeah. care of. I think, and it's very warm. I think big within the terms of kind of what we've been talking about of like, it is a spacious, is a spacious album. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Stereo Gum uh, did not give it a scored review. The person who wrote this for Stereo Gum, um, because I'm a ignorant white American, don't fully know how to pronounce. So I'm going to try my best. 
deeply apologize for the very bad pronunciation of the last name specifically. Um, but uh, Pranav uh, Train, T-R-E-W-N, um, said, I go, I go missing in my sleep features delicate finger picking and indelible turns of phrase that unnoticeably burrow themselves into your headspace until you discover yourself stuck on the melodies later in the day. Which I think, huh. which I think is a pretty, pretty fair uh, assessment of what that album was. But none of those assessments fucking matter, dude. You know why? Why? Because they're not ours. They're not ours. So we are uh, rating this on the official tape maker scale. Which is uh, whatever we've <laughs> which, <laughs> which today is <laughs> which to, which is whatever we've rated already plus one. So today it is out of eleven. Um, I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna go give it. this a. I'm gonna give this a ten out of eleven. I personally love this album so much. It has flaws. It definitely has flaws. Um, but I think that it is so well written. It is so well produced. It is so so well instrumentized throughout the entire thing i'm giving it a 10 out of 11 i i'm here to disagree with you let's go (laughs) i will give it an 8 out of 11 okay yeah at best okay what do you actually want to give it i mean like well that's the thing is that like i'm giving an 8 out of 11 to the to the like four tracks that i love Okay, but what are you giving it to the whole album? Because we're not ranking tracks here. I, well, I know. It's, it's, you know, it's an album. The tracks are part of it. Uh, <laughs> if if those tracks were not part of the equation, it'd be getting like a six. Okay. Um, I just... It, it, the album's just kind of a slog for me. I don't know. It's, okay. it's uh It really works when it works. And it is not objectionably boring to me okay. when it doesn't but it is like it doesn't vibe with he- you this is a headphone album uh-huh. that is not worth listening on head like sitting and listening to, to uh, me you I, see, know I, see I mean? what you're saying yeah 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 um and that sucks right. i really would like this to be an album that's that's like because it's almost there for me right i would love this to be an album that's like i want to sit and listen to this and do nothing else but focus on this on this music no for sure that makes Um, sense no i respect that score but it's produced to be like that yes so what i'm hearing is maybe a seven or what i'm what i'm saying is eight i would give it i would feel better about a 7 out of 11 okay. but i'm going to give it an 8 out of 11 because i really can't say that there is a bad song on this okay. album okay so we're going to give it a, a a a strong 7 a light 8 <laughs> to, to i don't know what you're referencing and and fanthony fantano <laughs> the fan man yeah <laughs> he gives it he gives stuff light and heavies yeah i'd, yeah. I'd give it i'd give it uh, yeah yeah so so okay how about we go to the list we'll go to the list and whatever you right. feel is more appropriate that that can be your score and then we'll debate from there all right so if you gave it a 7 out of 11 it would go underneath the shape of color mm-hmm. by intervals and if you were to give it an 8 out of 11 it would go above the shape of color by intervals Hmm. Two albums that could not be more different. <laughs> I wouldn't say that's totally accurate. Intervals is very melodic. It's very it's okay. 
Um, Intensity wise, very definitely different. in terms of energy. <laughs> uh, so. Let me see here. If it if it was below shape of color, it'd be a d- above destroyers rubies. That would be a seven, yes. And then other way, it would be between the beautiful game and the shape of color. Yes. In either way, on my score, I'm saying it is between pieces of a man and boarding house reach, which we're going to argue about where it, where it sits. No which is what. absolutely fucking ridiculous, and it's not going to land there. No, it's not. But <laughs> I'm just letting you know like what your scores will put it at, I... and then where you're going to have to fight from. Well, see, if we split the difference, it's a 9 out of 11. It is a 9 out of 11. And then it lands between between Boarding House Reach and and The Beautiful Beautiful Game, Game, which I'm fine. Uh, That's fine for me. I'm happy with that. Let's do it. I could almost do that. Let's do it. Let's put it right there. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. You're going to say yes? I'm going to say 9 out of 11. Let's let's put it between Boarding House Reach (laughs) and The Beautiful Game. We're shaking on it. (laughs) I am surprised this wasn't as much as a f- I was ready to fight. I, I know. <laughs> I thought we were going to be going at it for the next 20 minutes. Yeah. No. Like, <laughs> yes. No. A person. Uh, personally, I like this way more than boarding house reach. But I think for our list, boarding house reach makes sense to be above it. Right. But I because it's a better album. Well, it's it because it's objectively a better album. That's why it's above it. On you the know list. what? You're right. It is. <laughs> All right. Uh, so. Um, on the list, yeah, it has, we have Pieces of a Man, still at number one, uh, at number two is Boarding House Reach, and coming in at the new number three is I Go Missing in My Sleep by Wilson, uh, followed right after by The Beautiful Game, uh, by Wolfpack, and then after that, The Shape of Color by Intervals, and that is our top five. Top five. Let's do bottom five. I think we should do top five and bottom five from now on. All right, and our bottom five going in descending order, which means five, the worst album of all time. So it'd be ascending. Is that as- yeah, that is ascending? I was trying to get fancy. I'm so sorry. The worst. Okay. <laughs> the fifth worst album of all time. We'll go from there. Yeah, let's do that. The fifth worst album of all time currently is Blood Pressures by The Kills. That physically <laughs> hurts me. My heart palpitates. The fourth worst album of all time is As the Eternal Cowboy by Against Me. That's fine. <laughs> that registers nothing physically. <laughs> the third worst album of all time, of all time in recorded history of all music, yeah. is A Big Mess by Danny Elfman. <laughs> that one stings a little. <laughs> It's the, not going to stay there. The second worst album ever created by a musician is 10 by Pearl Jam. <laughs> and the worst album ever created by anyone calling themselves an artist of music at any point in all time is Wasteland Baby by Hoysier. Thank you. Thank Brutal. you, sir. Brutal. Brutal. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about Razzmatazz by I Don't Know How. That good old-fashioned Razzmatazz. But they found me. Welcome back from our break. Uh, so we're going to go into the second album. Yes, we are. You ready? Oh, so ready. All right. We are doing Razzmatazz by IDK Howe, otherwise known as I don't know how, but they found me. 
Uh, this was released October 16th, 2020. It's a pandemic album. Mm-hmm. Well, not... It wasn't <laughs> recorded as a pandemic album, but it was released during the pandemic. Right. Uh, first album from the band. Uh, it, the band itself consists of Dalton Weeks, uh, who did lead vocals, bass, guitar, piano, keyboards, synth, ukulele, and production on the album. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Seaman, not C-word, but Seaman. <laughs> Much better. Um, who did drums, percussions, and some backup vocals um, on the track as well. And then some additional musicians that they had on the album mm-hmm. was Ian Walsh on guitar, Matt Appleton on saxophone, um, Alex Nouth on trumpet, and then Amelie Weeks did the vocals on Need You Here, which is the, the kid. The kid. The kid. The, the kid track. The kid track. It's, it, it's his daughter doing the Daddy I Want You Home thing. We'll get to it eventually. Very cute. Very cute. Uh, um, so originally this was a side project of... Uh, Dallin, who was in Panic at the Disco uh, as their bassist for... I did not know that. Really? I've done almost no research on this band. Yeah, no. Uh, th- so yeah, this was originally a side project between uh, Dallin and Ryan, who was in Fallen in Reverse, mm-hmm. which is another one of those kind of... I didn't uh, I didn't realize yeah. they were a super group. Okay. Yes, so it's a super group. Uh, so they were playing kind of... They were, were like working together and doing stuff since kind of 2009 just kind of like on the side during Mm. tours stuff like that and then they decided hey we're gonna we're gonna perform live in like 2016 but they kept it like super 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 on the down low Mm -hmm. like they refused to promote that they were a part of the band they refused to talk about the band Mm -hmm. and they were just open for local acts in cities that they were performing in like not even at the type thing like when word started getting around they would deny it like no we're not part of that band we don't Mm -hmm. know what you're talking about never heard of that band before their bio on spotify is something along the lines of this band doesn't actually exist and we don't know what you're talking about (laughs) exactly yeah um and so they broke away from their two other projects um panic at the disco and fallen at reverse in 2017 to make this their main project Mm -hmm. um and that's when they released their first ep and then they released a christmas ep and then uh this album Mm -hmm. um and this was released by fearless records um they didn't yeah so they call this band a glam wham band glam wham um and that it's a nostalgic trip for uh Dallin specifically um and that their vibe is a band at a time is what they're going for mm. uh, a band that faded into obscurity after struggling to find success in the late 70s and early 80s and still trying to grasp that like brass ring thing that, that definitely uh well describes their aesthetic yes in terms of the visual stuff for their music videos and the like yeah 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 um he wanted this entire band to be like a storyline band, similar to like Ziggy Stardust by David Bowie and Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band by the Beatles. Like mm-hmm. that's why he wrote this. Like that's why the band looks the way it does and their music video is the way that it is. And so it's a, it's like a very meta band where right. it's about the storylines behind all of it and all that uh, shit. And I'm just going to be straight up honest. I fucking hate Panic at the Disco. I... Don't enjoy them all that much. I fucking, I just don't get it. I don't get, eh, I don't get it. All of it's layered in this like three levels deep of irony that don't, doesn't work for me. I don't think any of the instrumentation is good. And every single time someone has been like, what, you don't like Panic of the Disco? Listen to this song, this song, or this song. And I'm just like, 
okay, I'll go listen to it. And then I go listen to it. I'm like, I hate this band even more now. I can't say, I can't say that I hate them. I definitely am past the point in time where that band would resonate with me. Right. Um, I remember them popping up on my spot or not Spotify Pandora. Mm. Cause that was how I discovered music back in the day. That's how we all did. Yeah. Uh, and I remember them pop- popping up on my Pandora and skipping a lot of stuff. Even when <laughs> I was in that age range. Yeah. Um, and that, that was kind of right as I was getting out of a, a point in time where I probably would have gotten more into that sort of more emo sound. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't really as an adult actually listened to them. So I can't really say one way or another about Panic yeah. at the Disco. And the main reason, like, I use hate as a word, which is a very loaded term, and I understand that, but, like, it's the fact that it is so... I don't even know if Panic at the Disco is, like, a good band, but, like, everyone who talks about them talks about them like they're the most magical thing that music has ever created. Right, but all those people started listening to Panic at the Disco when they were 16. No, I know, and I think it's also... 14, f- probably. Yeah, and I think it's also the fact that most of the people that I hang out with, like, typically skew younger. Like, I'm usually the oldest person in, in most friend groups that I'm a part of, so I'm usually right. talking to people who either are just now figuring out about Panic at the Disco or found Panic at the Disco at the right time, and maybe I was just too old to... But I wasn't. Like, I was a teenager in 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. 07. Like, I had um, their one hit that everyone had from, like, 07 downloaded to my iPod. Right. Um, like, I was in that age range, and it just never hit for me. And then the fact that, like, people are get so indignant and so offended that you don't like Panic! The Disco. Right. It's a personal affront, too. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, fuck all y'all. This is a shitty band. And the fact that you like them so much just, like, makes me hate the idea of them even more. Oh. Um, that's very pretentious of you, Josh. It is incredibly pretentious. <laughs> what? A man with a, a white, straight male... With a music podcast being pretentious? My word, I would never. My monocle. Um, yeah, so he did say Oingo Boingo was a very big influence on the sound. Like, he specifically cited Oingo Boingo as... Silently sips brewski. Um, yeah, and, and so they did heavily do sam- like they heavily sampled a lot of their stuff and that was kind of like the point was to kind of bring 70s 80s sound more modernized and and do all that stuff with mm-hmm. it um so yeah it's kind of all the backstory that i found um i don't i don't know if this was obvious but this album just annoys me and i i think part of it is the part of it's the bleed over from panic the disco and i think some of the because uh dallin was a songwriter for i i should have written down the album but one of their albums in 2013 he was the co-song lead songwriter with uh brandon yui or whatever that guy's mm-hmm. name is um and i i think a lot of the drenched in irony i can't tell if this is supposed to be tribute parody or satire mm-hmm. and because of that like i just a lot of these songs just annoy annoy me um and a lot of these songs i listen to i'm like oh you're just doing this thing this other band did i would much rather go listen to this other band do it better wow like that's how i feel about the album like i think some of the production is really good i think some of the bass lines are really good Mm -hmm. it's very catchy it is it is a very catchy album that cannot be denied it cannot be denied um but i don't think his vocals 
I don't think he's vocally talented enough to pull off some of the stuff that he he goes for personally. I'm personally assaulted by no, that. No, you're okay. Um, I don't like the whole story thing of the band either. Mm-hmm. Like the whole idea, like this entire band is a story, like how the Beatles did Sergeant Pepper, and it's like, well, the Beatles only did Sergeant Pepper. They didn't create the rest of the Beatles around Sergeant Pepper. Um, yeah, but the Beatles wasn't the Beatles' side project. <laughs> Fair, but this is no longer his side project. This is his only project. So, I, that's, I'm, I'm just being upfront and honest. This is how I feel about the album, and this is why I feel like our friendship might be tested. <laughs> More uh, so than Wilson. Yeah, honestly, so. <laughs> I thought I thought we were going to be bashing noggins a lot more on Wilson, but uh, that did that didn't happen. No. Maybe by the end of this uh, conversation, we'll we'll you know right. come around to each other's points of view. But so uh, what what are your takes? I'm assuming you're a big so, fan. So I describe this album, well, really this band, mm-hmm. because I also listen to their EP a lot. Right. Um. I describe this band as okay go, but fronted by Matt Bellamy from Muse. Okay, I see that. Um, which are two bands that I enjoy a lot. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> this album is what I think pop rock should be as a whole. Like this is mm, a, a perfect okay. encapsulation of like if you are trying to do pop rock, it needs to be this level of catchy. It needs to be this level of entertaining. It needs to be mm. this lack of serious and lack of sincerity okay. because there is no pop rock that is sincere right. that doesn't come across as cheesy right and uh there are definitely some weak tracks on the album that we'll get to yeah but as a whole i love this album i love mm. singing along to this album specifically okay this uh vocally i thoroughly enjoy this album okay uh every <laughs> Uh, and i'm a little biased here no, because fine, everything yeah. everything on this album is in my register right. and like there are a lot of notes that are uh, uh we'll say mildly impressive i guess yeah no that, that I, are I like very fun to sing along to I, there are a lot yeah. of melodies that are uh it's just a fun like if i have one word mm-hmm. it's fun yeah so i think the reason why i have such like a, a visceral like rejection of the fun of this album mm-hmm. is because i did the research on this album mm-hmm. and every single interview he talks about like how serious he's taking this and like how this is like such a, a a more pure musical expression of what he wants to do and he's writing this bigger story and he's like so up his own ass hmm. the entire time and then this album happens and i'm like this shit is nothing like you just told me you were trying to write maybe that is so like what the fuck he, well we're not talking about we're not talking about people we're not talking about uh uh <laughs> we're not talking about artistic intention we're talking about albums josh no you're right you're right you're the right music, the music is what um, matters i think also for me it's something i wrote down is this whole album is dripping with a layer of better than thou emo bullshit yeah <laughs> And, like, that's part of what makes it so fun. Right, no. And like, I, you can't have a line that's, like, what is it? Fuck. Uh, um, get your money from a trust fund and do it all the time. Like, literally, right. explicitly saying, like, this song is about doing whatever the fuck you want to. And you can only do that if you got the fundage. Right, no. And I think that's the thing is, like, a little fun day. Yeah, no, I, I probably should have just reviewed the tracks and then did the background 
on the band, but that's not how I do things. I, I listen to the album a few times, and then I listen to the album while doing research on it, and mm-hmm. then I go into the tracks. And I'm, for, I'm sure if I switched it, I would have had better opinions on the tracks. But to listen to this guy in like mul- multiple interviews, multiple interviews, talk about like, yeah, this is these like lyrics have like deeper meanings, and it's like this meta layer of things for the mm. fans who have been through us with everything, and you can see that we're like trying to hint towards what the band is going to do next and uh, throughout the entire lyrics. And I'm just listening, and I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. No, you're not. Yeah, <laughs> see, that's that's not how I listen to this album. No, and I think that's this, a better way to listen to the album. Yeah, um, uh, I th- this album is just about like here's some here's some really fun. Right. production here's some really fun like goofy lyrics right there's nothing serious to be gleaned from this lyrical content right so like if i had never listened to him talk about the band or the album i'm sure to have better you know and i think that falls into like why i don't like panic the disco is that like i feel like everyone takes them especially themselves takes themselves way more seriously than they need to there are definitely i can understand that there are a lot of projects i mean even I, any art medium in general, <laughs> right. there are times where it's like you are putting far too much stock into what this represents than what it actually is worth. Right. Um, yeah. And Panic at the Disco is definitely one of those bands that's, and you know, anything that like specifically was popular among teenagers is often like e- either. <laughs> insanely good right or is like this is good but not as good as you think it is but now that they now like, they will die for these it two would men be, it yeah. would be that good if you know my hormones were fucking going crazy <laughs> right. and i experienced everything at a deeper level than i ever will for the rest of my right. life yeah and everything is more impactful because it's the first time it's ever happening to you right no i i totally get it i I think technically this is a very well done album. Yeah. I think the, the bass work and the drum work spot on, on almost I also want to point out yeah. that like, I, fu- I can't fucking play bass and sing at the same time. I can play guitar and sing at the same time all right. day. I can solo on guitar and sing at the same time. But when it comes to bass, I'm like, I, how do you keep the rhythm and sing at a different rhythm? Yeah. I can't fucking do it. Yeah. No, he, he does a great job mm-hmm. with the technicality part of this entire album and also like such great pop production mm-hmm. just like really good choices yeah, the Cr- th- crazy bombastic like, drums i don't and, like it's it's not that i think this is a bad album i just hate the pretentious bullshit around the album <laughs> and i can't take the album well we're not ranking pretentious <laughs> bullshit josh well we are ranking musical albums so really <laughs> Um, let's get into some songs. Yeah, let's do, um, let's do tracks. So, yeah, so we're going to start, as we always do, with the uh, the the appetizer for the rest of the album, uh, right. which is Leave Me Alone, uh, the first song. Um, this, was, this song reminds me of so many different, like, 80s, either, like, theme, like music theme song, movie theme songs, or just 80s pop songs, like Sledgehammer, like that very famous MTV. God, I love Sledgehammer. Like, it's, that's a great song, and I'm just like, oh, God, why... I literally, I started playing this song. I got it like a minute in and then I typed up like 80s movie. Uh, <laughs> like a super cut or something. On, just on Spotify and a playlist. You just like John just, Hughes like, super cut and then listen to this song. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, and I think this is an example of like, this is a really, really good song, but mm-hmm. this song makes me want to go listen to other music instead of listening to this band. Um, Brutal. 
But it's a super fun synth pop, super fun new wave. It's very new. This entire album is very new wave mm-hmm. in a in a mostly fun way. Uh, definitely a bop. A bop. Definitely there are a, a lot bop. of bops on this album. Yeah, I um, mean, I think this is where the I song... would argue bangers. Ooh, I don't, I'm not willing to go bangers, but I'm definitely willing to go bops. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Um, but I think this song fits his voice really well. Mm-hmm. I think this is probably the best melding of like where his vocal range sounds really good mm-hmm. and where the the song wants to uh, live for most of the time. Just very classic '80s like guitar lick mm. on there as well. Like every every production choice is very obvious, but mm. not in a bad way on the on this song. I think. See, that's the thing. That's where this album hits for me. Is that like if I for me if I'm going to listen to music that's this sort of um, obvious, I guess is the word. Right. Yeah. Um, that's this kind of poppy, this kind of straightforward for the most part mm-hmm. stuff. Um, like this is it like this is this hits all of those notes yeah Yeah. no i i see that i i I definitely see that um this is definitely one of the this is one of the few high points on the album for me for sure um do you want to move on or do you want to talk about the no we can we can what do you what do you have next uh see so i don't have i'm free i'm free balling this one okay (laughs) um well i'll talk about the first song that is a, a big old negative on on my yeah. Uh, nobody likes the opening band. Nobody fucking likes this song. What the fuck is this shit? Okay, Josh, I'm you're alone on this. I'm sorry. Literally everyone I show this song to is like, this is great. I don't like it. Um, and I think it falls into the whole I can't tell if they're being trying to be satirical, parody, or tribute. And like this entire song I Why does it matter, Josh? I just it's a pop rock album. Why does it matter? <laughs> because he assigned matter. Like, because the man who wrote this assigned matter to it. Also, something we should talk about um, slightly or at least mention um, is the fact that um, the physical version of this album mm. has two songs that are not on um, digital. I didn't matter. know that. Yeah. So the two songs that are, um, which let me pull up the names really quick, but they're more uh, interstitial. They kind of frame the album Mm -hmm. a little bit more. And I think that's more of what um, in the interviews he was talking about Mm -hmm. a little bit more than I may have gotten from. Um, But they are both songs that they're both songs that kind of frame the beginning. They're the um, second track on the album and the second to last track on the album are the two that are missing from the mm-hmm. digital versions of the song or digital version of the album sorry um and they are called indoctrination and tomorrow's people and both of them are kind of about oh welcome to this indoctrination thing of the what the tech company is doing and here's the ways to like set you up for it and here's what's going to happen next Mm -hmm. and just make sure you don't like 
upset them at all. And then um, that is indoctrination. And then Tomorrow's People is kind of like, thank you. This has been a production of whatever that's like future tech core, whatever thing. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe if those were in there and kind of set the mood mm-hmm. for the album a bit more, um, I might like it a little bit more. But mm-hmm. it's not in the Spotify version. So we're not able to talk about those uh, songs. But yeah, back to... Um, maybe we'll have to do two episodes on this album. Maybe, or or at least a follow up yeah. on it. Yeah, I'll get a physical copy and then you borrow it, and then oh yeah, gotta... I'm fine with that. I'm fine. I'm t- I, I'd be willing to do that for sure. Um, but yeah, nobody likes the opening band. Um, it just feels very self righteous. I know it's like tongue in cheek and kind of making fun of openers in general, but like I don't like the piano choice. I don't like his voice on it. I don't. I just don't like. I. When I, I first when I, I when I first heard the song, it definitely hit me as like really tacky. Um Yeah. And but I got over that very quickly. Uh like yeah, it's it's a little self righteous where it's like mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh we've all been opening bands. We've right. all experienced that. And so it's like, hey, you know, I I get it. I've been there, man. Here's you know, right. uh, let me offer you a little bit of sympathy. Right. Um but then at the same time making fun of the opening bands yeah it like i don't know it perfectly encapsulates like it it, it perfectly uh explains like the feeling surrounding opening bands in general because it's like sometimes there really is a reason that they are the opener and Mm -hmm. not the headliner and it's very obvious right and also at the same time like hey don't be a dick <laughs> right like, like only you, their mom only their mom showed up for this be right, nice right exactly it's like we, we've all been there i don't know it yeah. it, uh, it hit me as tacky at the beginning when i first started listening to this album and then after just a few listens i was just like this is a bop and i love <laughs> it and it's now on my vocal warm-up playlist i could see that So I think this um, track shows that he uses a decent amount of autotune on his voice, in my opinion. A little bit, yeah. And I, it's just like he goes too high for what actually, and I think that kind of adds to this whole like better than thou bullshit thing mm-hmm. that happens throughout the entire album. It's like, it's a song you wrote about how shitty it is to be an opening act and how shitty opening acts are and you're using auto-tune while doing it and a very like heavily processed piano that does not sound natural in any way shape or form i don't know like it just it just leads to this level of like you're just like one but, level removed from being any level of but sincere. if you hadn't done the research josh josh if you hadn't like oh, if you like don't the- have this nugget of information right. in your head telling you that the person who made this thinks that there's more uh <laughs> that there's more here than there truly is right and you just look at it at the face of it it's just a bop okay i don't i and not for me not for me like Removing all that stuff, I I think it's a fine whatever thing. Mm-hmm. Like I I would not point it out as a bad track if I didn't know this other shit, um, or if I didn't think it was pretentious as hell, 
or better than thou. See, that's the thing is that like, if we want to talk about lyrical content specifically, so much of what is said throughout this album is just silly to me. Right. Like it's just, it's said in jest. It's said to be. It's very tongue in cheek. It's very tongue in cheek. And it's very like kind of goofy, you know, like whatever. A lot of like jeering and stuff like that. That Mm -hmm. that is like if, you know, again, like minus the idea that there's supposed to be like this deep emotional core at the center of everything or that it's supposed to be super cerebral, I guess, is more more like not not that there's like this deeper meaning amongst everything, but it's all part of like, but it's much it's much more planned, more meticulously put together than than it comes across. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and yeah, like it's, uh, you know, they just missed the mark on that. <laughs> right. But if you just sit back and enjoy it, it's a lot of fun. But- Tenet, uh, the, Christo- <laughs> the new Christopher Nolan movie, just like that. He, he, I'm sure that he meant it to be a lot more, uh, cohesive and put together than it comes across. But if you just don't think too hard about everything that's going on in the film, <laughs> It's just a fun James Bond movie, man. Like, so is, <laughs> is Tenet similar to this song, a filmmaker's uh, movie about film for other filmmakers, but it just kind of isn't that. It's just kind of a fun it's thing. It's J.J. Abrams Super 8, yes. Yeah, okay. Which is an actual good movie. In- different podcast different podcast different day enjoyable at least enjoyable at least if you turn your brain off and just watch it's enjoyable listen if you're taking like an 18 hour flight from germany to america and the only options you got is the matrix trilogy and jj abrams super eight it's enjoyable i'm this is not what we're talking about on this podcast um let's move on to another track um do you want to talk about new invention at all um see that's the thing is that there's they're like i think that the majority of the tracks on this album are like equally just like good fun bops right no that's Um, fair i think new invention is a lot of fun i love singing along to it it makes me dance everything on this album makes me want to dance right no i see i see that but again this is another track that just reminds me of like man this sounds like another band and I can't put my finger on it, but I'd much rather listen to that band at the moment than this song. Um, I don't know. I, but that happens throughout the entire album for me. Like mm-hmm. it just, I think it is so heavily influenced by like eighties, new wave, eighties, pop eighties, mm-hmm. um, just synth electronica music in general that it makes me want to go and listen to those bands because I'm like, you guys, you those bands did it better than what you're doing well, it right now. Well, see, I think maybe that's where some of the discrepancy hits with both both of us too. Right. Is that like, for me, a lot of that sort of 80s synth pop and new wave stuff um, is so, it hits me as tacky. Okay. And so the emotional content that is meant meant to be there uh just like reads as like too much like right like i can't take this seriously (laughs) i can't uh uh cindy lopper what's uh girls just want to have fun not girls just want to have fun that's that's Uh, the only pull i got for you (laughs) no it's the super like overly emotional one that's like uh, oh yeah yeah time after time time after time uh like yeah that sort of thing where it's like 
I can't. I mean, it's not exactly the genre that we're talking no, I about. T- I, I but where saying, it's like yeah. this is too melodramatic for you're way up here, and I'm like down here, and the right. music's like here, man. Like <laughs> I, it, this does not do it for me. Right. And so this, you know, my experience, not mm-hmm. researching it ahead of time, no, of I course. guess. Yeah. Uh, is part of the difference is that like this is just a fun song that has those same tonal that has that same tonality has that same energy but minus Mm. the intent to be it this like emotional pillar in your life this track it's just i don't the ooh like after the chorus mm-hmm. it's just like ugh, i don't i don't i don't i don't get it and it's just, i don't know it's very bleh. i like, can also I, hear the now that you've mentioned it i can mm-hmm. hear the oingo boingo in especially <laughs> the chorus of this song right. and i'm like yeah baby <laughs> yeah baby i mean I, I i don't really have a whole lot to say about this song in in general, it's just like, eh, eh, eh. well, see, here's the problem. I feel like you're not going to have a lot to say about a lot of tracks on this album because you're like, most of this is meth for me yeah. at best. And I'm not going to have a whole lot to say because <laughs> I'm like, most of this is a bop and just right. like a goofy fun time that I want to dance and sing well, along to. Let's talk about probably the, the song that we're going to have the most divergent opinion upon um, from the gallows, um, where it goes from kind of like the very ins. Call back to last episode, talking about the ink spots mm-hmm. with that very, very ink spots uh, intro, mm-hmm. which they specifically referenced as like, yeah, no, we we wanted to sample from what they did in that very like 40s, 50s jazz. Which there are um, a few tracks after this that also sort of take yes, from that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but it goes from that to like a very Queen's Muse, like choral ramp up in the chorus with an overblown bass, and I just don't like any of it. Really? I hate this song. I think it's the worst song on the album. Wow. Yeah, I think it's the worst song on this the album. This is one of my favorite songs on the album. Yeah, no. This is one of my favorite of, like, six. <laughs> um, So many lyrics... Also, so many lyrics so far have been about, like, wanting to either kill other people or wanting to kill yourself, because it's just, like... How do you not relate to that on a spiritual level? uh, Like I do, but also (laughs) I'm just like, I relate to that in like the way I want like people like Wilson to sing about that stuff. Not this. I, and look, see this song specifically hits in a spot where it's like, uh, it's very, and I think this is part of what you don't like about it is that it simultaneously is very tongue in cheek and sarcastic and is like, making fun of uh you know people who pine so severely over somebody that they're like hey i'll just fucking hang myself if it'll make you smile right and at the same time 
being somebody who's basically been in a relationship like, like that, that yeah maybe no, a couple of times in my life right i'm like this song fucking clicks for me no, like that's exactly <laughs> uh, from the noose i'll count your teeth or whatever it is yeah yeah like fuck <laughs> it's simultaneous it's both of those things at once right. which is incredible to me um i think for me for lyrical content at least I would much rather have this go down an album that I eventually want to talk about, which I think again is one of the better indie folk albums that was released in like the late tens. Father John Misty's uh, pure comedy, Mm -hmm. where it's an entire album that was released after Trump's presidency. um, That is basically about how religion is a farce entertainment is a farce and my entire career is a farce what the fuck are any of you doing with any of this shit like he literally has a 13 minute long song explaining why he's leaving los angeles why the music industry is bullshit why his entire career is bullshit and how he shouldn't be alive brutal and it's just a 13 minute long song of him explaining that is it listenable though personally i i think it is other people don't but (laughs) i do um not as catchy as this song, I will admit. Way less catchy. But you like, can't deny the catchiness. I cannot, but I don't. I don't. This song is also not super catchy for me either. Um, I think it's very bad, like jazz piano keys, overly produced everything. Mm. The blown out bass over the vocals in the chorus as it ramps up to that very muse, Matt Bellamy, Freddie Mercury, Queen, like choral hit of the vocals going up um throughout the octave like i just don't it just doesn't hit for me if i succeed i'll count all your of throwing a, a sax mm-hmm. in there as well that is fun the sax sounds really natural un- unlike um in the shape of color that we talked about last week where i thought the sax sounded very produced very synthy even this surprisingly they didn't overly mm-hmm. produce it which i think again shows their production quality they've been, both of them have been involved in such high profile bands that have had such extensive um production experience and, and studio experience like throughout the entire album their ability to produce instruments is just spot on throughout right. the entire time. Even if I don't agree with some of it, mm-hmm. like I don't agree with the piano choices that they make uh, and how like desperate the piano sounds like, like it, it doesn't feel like it's an old school piano. It feels like it's a piano. It's, it sounds like it's a keyboard that they're playing with an old school patch on it. And then they also threw on a well, patch that so is old school. If, you, it. if, you, if we're going to talk about it in the context of the, of like researching it with all uh-huh. this new information. No, for go for me, it. Yeah. Well, how many bands in the late seventies, early eighties with the introduction of all of these new electronic and digital instruments. Right. Like that's what new wave was, was a bunch of people being like, right. wow, I can push buttons now <laughs> and make sounds no. like I'm playing a different thing. Right. No. And I'll, I'll admit, I'm not the most up to date on my new wave knowledge. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise. 
Because you you're like big thing with new wave is like your parents your parents listened your dad my dad yeah um uh, yeah so my musical upbringing from my parents was 50s 60s maybe early 70s but if it's like Mm -hmm. uh the doobie brothers type thing you know like that (laughs) jimmy puppet like that's that's what my parents Ah! (laughs) okay but like that was that was the music in my house growing up. It was it was all 50s, 60s rock and roll, you know, early 70s white pop rock bands, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have that like deep cultural understanding of like anything past that mm-hmm. and like a institutional. This is what my parents listen to type thing. So it's all stuff I've come to after the fact. Right. And New Wave is just one of those things that like has always been like, well, I've listened it's similar to not because of the similar circumstances, but just like out uh, a genre out of my time of like, yeah, I've listened right. to ska. I've listened to like the five ska songs. I know what ska is. Right. Like ska's fun. New wave is fun, but I don't have like this deep cultural understanding of what makes good ska versus bad ska. Similar to, I don't know what makes good new wave versus mm-hmm. bad new wave. And most well, of I the, have a playlist you can listen to. That's only good new wave. And I mean, 80 synth pop, but here's the thing. I kind of want to listen to bad new wave at the same time. <laughs> To understand if this is just like a bad take on new wave or if it's just like pulling from all of new wave, um, which maybe that's what it what it is. I but think you're reading too much into it. I mean, you know what? Probably. But that's what this entire podcast is, is us reading shh, way shh, too much. Shh, 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 shh. Shit. I said the quiet part out loud. Shit. Fuck. Uh, not not this album. This album. <laughs> this album. We just sit back and enjoy. Oh, this album. We just sit back and we're like, yeah, it's music. <laughs> the only other thing that I want to talk about before we talk about it, like another high point, probably, um, is Cluster Hug, mm-hmm. which unless you have any other notes on it that you want to talk about, this was originally a Panic at the Disco song. Interesting that it just didn't make the cut because it didn't fit within the thematic um, meaning of that album mm-hmm. for Panic at the Disco. Can we get playback so, on it real quick? Because I actually, this is a song that I always forget. Uh, like, yeah. the title does not uh, relate to the song enough for me to Wait, do you're, it. you're saying that uh, this album, the titles aren't as meaningful? <laughs> I'm saying nothing in this album is meaningful. Fair. Yeah, so this is one of this is one of the other tracks that kind of borrows from that Ink Spots kind of a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's got a, it's got a very much like a heavy like '60s tween teen pop thing going yes. on. Um, and I uh, didn't like this song when I first started listening to this album. Okay, over time it's grown on me. Okay, um, I I don't like the drums. I do not like the drums in the chorus. Okay. I will say that with a firm 
authority uh, a firm authority uh-huh. i do not like the drums i don't i they're they're intentionally like blown out and splatty and yeah. crazy they blow out instruments sometimes on this track that sometimes it works but like it's it's a very interesting choice that they made yeah i i just don't think it sounds it reminds me of when i first started recording music and i didn't know what mastering was or how to make things loud enough right and so okay a limiter what if I do two limiters? What if I limit and then gate and then compress? Right. Um, that's that's what it reminds me of, and it right. I, it it just doesn't do it for me. Right. Uh, the only other note that I really want to say that I wrote down is, uh, wow, someone from Panic at the Disco singing about destructive love. Mm-hmm. Wow. I look just attach <laughs> the project. Fuck. <laughs> Just detach the project from Panic at the Disco, and and, and you'll enjoy it much no, I'm, more. I'm I sure. I'm sure you. I will. But also, I think specifically, I made that note on that song is because it, a was a Panic song, and then b his vocal line on that is very Panic at the Disco, mm-hmm. and so that's why it's harder for me to just be like, no, this is a different thing. It's like, oh wow, yeah, no, this was a Panic at the Disco song, and this was a Panic at the Disco song. <laughs> Um, um yeah what else do you what else do you want to talk about um, I, so, I don't really have too much more that i want to hit yeah so honestly like this is the weakest part of the album for me is right. like kiss goodnight lights go down need you here uh door is door is good um, I, i'm eh on door i like the ukulele is fun but i'm like eh um overall yeah i that this whole section of the album is just like not the part that i listen to all that much right um it's where it goes from less tongue-in-cheek to more sort of like i'm trying to convey sincere emotion yeah which just doesn't click for me um that that's kind of that's kind and you know the catchiness kind of goes away the fun dancey bits are not as present it's it's just sort of supposed to be the more emotionally serious i guess part of the album yeah and it, so yeah. so going back to the research a little bit um door is apparently supposed to be a song that is about like listen if i'm not providing that like catchy fun stuff that you want me to just show me the door like it's <laughs> it's him singing to the audience all right um which again i think makes more sense in the context of like with the two tracks that we don't have access to because we don't have the physical album. Um, this is, it would be between Door and the the last yeah. song, right? And so after this, it would be like, well, thank you for listening to the productions of this massive conglomerate corporation. If for whatever reason it didn't hit your satisfaction stuff, please let it, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think it makes more sense in, like, that whole arc. Mm-hmm. Um, but without, like, any of that stuff, it still just feels, I don't know, it's, it's like trying to be heartfelt, but kind of not, but I, I don't know. Again, not the worst song on the album, but... What is the worst song on the album again? Um, From the Gallows. That's right. Yeah, that is the worst song on the album. That's not accurate, but whatever. Whatever. Um, the only one I really want to talk about is is Razzmatazz. That good old-fashioned Razzmatazz. This is a really good song. I, I think I think the album starts really well and ends really well, and then the rest of it is middling to bad. Brutal. For me personally. Um, See, the rest of it is middling to great to me. No, that, and that's... That's fair. Um, this is the most original sounding song on the track on the entire album for mm-hmm. me as well. It sounds like, oh, this is the sound of the band. You should listen to the EP. Okay. If you I haven't. W- I will. I haven't. So I'll listen to the EP. 
Um, it's got I, a different tone this. overall okay. from the album. Cool. I'll do that. And, and again, like I love the progression on the bass from this. Um, it has a sax solo in it, mm-hmm. it and that hits really well. Um, it's driving, um, but it's like a subtle aspect of like the entire song, which I think is really good as well. Um, yeah, no, like if the entire album had more songs that sounded like not specifically like this but sounded more original didn't feel as like within its own bullshit Mm. like i think i would like the entire album a lot more than i actually do It's just good vibes. It's good, it's good vibes only. Yeah, on the on this track, you you really should listen to the EP. I think, okay, I, think I will, I will would, uh, definitely listen to the EP because you if, might enjoy it more. I probably I probably will. Like again, I don't. I think this album just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I don't think that this is bad musicians or bad lyricism or bad production or anything like that. I think. I was like, it's just a miss for you. It's a miss. I think I was iffy on the album before, and then I did all the research, and I was like, wait, what the fuck are you trying to do? The fuck are you trying to do on this album? I mean, if I found out all this information when I was still just getting into the this quick backstory on how I found this band, yeah, no, tell me, it's not like I'm plugged into Panic at the Disco. Yeah, so how did you find the band? A friend of mine named Chachi posted it posted the music video for um uh do it all the time to my facebook um which is like a very heavy 80s uh very 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 80s music video i i'm realizing now wait i can't remember if that song's in the album or not well, I mean, everything. I don't know how, but they found me is very eighties, anyways. It's not. It's not in the. Okay. Uh, well, every single music video that I saw that was tied to this album was very like, oh yeah, here's early eighties. Oh, and here's mid eighties. Oh, right. and here's early eighties. Right. Oh, and late, uh, but still mid eighties. Yeah. So, and the thing is, I listen to the EP and the album together all the time. Right. Um. So. She posted the music video for that song to my <laughs> Facebook page and was basically like, I don't know why, but I feel like this is you. <laughs> and I loved the song uh, okay. and then started listening. And the the album hadn't been released yet at this point. Right. Um, and so I'm sure she's a Panic! at the Disco fan. That's why she knows who they were. Um, or whatever the drummer was in. I forget already. But Falling in Reverse. Falling in Reverse, yeah. More likely a panic at the disco. Most likely. (laughs) Um, And so I, maybe we'll have to do a panic at album. Maybe I'll put one on my list just to, just to fuck up your algorithm. I'm fine with that. The algorithm of life. Yeah. Um, anyway, I listened to it. I loved the song. Um, and then fast forward to, I listened through this album a handful of times Mm -hmm. and then I sent it to a couple of friends and I was like, this is too much fun to not share with you guys. Right. And uh, Mitchell, uh, who suggested Intervals last week. Right. Uh, I was like, the singer and I share, like, 
a lot of similarities in terms of range and timbre. And Mitchell's like, I'm not convinced this isn't a secret side project of yours. <laughs> so actual um, fun little sidebar. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been compared to Dallin, da- Dallin, yeah, weeks multiple times in look by random ass people. Interesting. With like specifically my face and my hair, which hmm. I'll, I'll pull up a photo for you either. Soon no, I've or seen what he yet. looks like. I, I don't see it. Yeah. <laughs> no, neither do <laughs> I. But it's been like enough times where I'm like, enough teenagers think I look like the basis from Panic at the Disco. <laughs> oh, which again, God. teenagers, man. What the fuck do they know? Well,. Uh, fuck it, man. Yeah. We're, uh, well, talking about uh, people who do know some shit about music, let's get to the reviews. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to start with Kerrang. Dave McLaughlin for Kerrang gave it four out of five stars. Uh, and he said it may have arrived to the party fashionably late, but Rasmataz comes at just the right time and is well worth the wait because... Um, Rasmataz originally was supposed to release in like 2019 ish, but then they got too busy with like being successful and playing on late night shows and touring mm. the out al- touring the EP. Interesting. Um, IDK how might not be changing the game exactly, but they're packing the kind of addictive dopamine like qualities that'll make you want to keep pumping coins into the slot for another hit mm-hmm. time and time again. I would agree with that. That sounds like the the most apt description of this album. I I also agree with the description. I just wouldn't give it the same score that he gave it. Um, all music. Uh, Neil Z Young, uh, Y E U N G, gave it four out of five stars, and said an explosive fusion of alt rock, pop savvy, and nostalgic funk swagger. The set strikes an infectious balance between the angular grooves of the early aughts ringmasters like the Killers and Franz Ferdinands and 60s glam, glo- glam gods like David Bowie and Mark Bolan. The results are fun, sexy, and absolutely catchy, aligning with the output by contemporaries such as Joywave in the 1975. That's perfectly accurate, although I don't enjoy the 1975 one iota. I think this, for me, this band... It definitely falls in line with the 1975 and also a little bit joy wave. So I'm like, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. And the killers and Franz Ferdinand, like I kind of get those. I definitely I, pick up on both of those. I definitely. Yeah. Um, I think lumping David Bowie in with this band is a little harsh on David Bowie, but that's just me. Yeah. But you're also <laughs> wrong about this album. So that's okay. I'm fine with being wrong about the album. Uh, and then a uh, good old favorite DIY mag, uh, Sarah Jameson gave it four stars. Uh, so out of probably five. Okay. Would be my guess. <laughs> Usually when people go stars, they don't go more than five. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I handpicked reviews that were very positive. Also, all reviews were positive. <laughs> oh, no! Noisy, showy, and exciting activity designed to attract and impress is the dictionary definition of what Rasmataz is. Um, and funnily enough, it delivers on that promise. Mm-hmm. Melding together 80 synths, Baroque piano and pithy, self-deprecating choruses, and their debut delves, their debut. Ugh, their debut delves deep into vibrant, multifaceted world. 
channeling a similar energy to the debuts from the likes of The Killers and Dallin Week's former band, Panic at the Disco, Emo Pop Hooks Mary with the excessiveness and glitz. It's a record that dabbles in tongue-in-cheek bombast, the odd knowing wink thrown in for good measure. I agree with all of these reviews. No, like, and here's the thing. I agree with all these reviews about what the album is. I just don't think it's good. <laughs> but, you know, none of these reviews really matter because ultimately they're not giving it the official tape maker score, which is going to be out of 12. And if you don't review this album, this specific album out of 12, you're not reviewing this album. That's true. All right, Jared, I'm going to let you review this album out of 12. I'm going to give this album a 10 out of 12. Ooh, okay. Um, okay. I think that it it's definitely got a weak point in in the track list. Okay, uh, we talked about it. <laughs> um, there's literally like three songs in a row that I basically skip over, right. or that, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that that if they play, they basically don't register in my brain. They're bad pop. Yeah, um, not bad pop. Just uh, well, that's what. Yeah, it's like, but that's what I mean. It's like bad pop being like, oh yeah, it's a thing. I guess whatever. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. I don't appreciate the handful of songs that are more sincere. Okay. Yeah. Um, I they feel completely out of place with the rest of it. Right. But the rest of it being so overwhelmingly enjoyable to me. Right. That I I can't not give this a good score. Right. No. I understand that. I and I respect it, and I get how you get there. Mm-hmm. And I am. Obviously, I'm in the wrong here. Obviously. I, obviously. Um, but I'm giving this a 5 out of 12. Holy shit! Less than 50%? Less than 50%, yeah. Um, I think it is a base level of like high-quality production and good instrumentation. And that's kind of it. Which, it, it gets brought down on some of their sample choices or influence choices. Uh, and the fact that almost every single song outside of probably two songs made me want to go and listen to a different band is not a good, not a good sign for this album. Um, I don't think any of the lyrics are great. And I think it does grade up against me because it's that level of like kind of emo drenched in irony, better mm-hmm. than thou bullshit mm-hmm. that like, yes, it's a pop album. Yes, it's supposed to be fun, but like, it's not for me. Like it just, it just, it's just like attempting to be like 5% more serious than it needs to be for me to like accept it. Mm-hmm. Like it is, I again, I'm sure if I were to not research this at all and not know it came from Panic at the Disco, it'd be closer to like a 7 out of 12. But like, okay, so maybe it's, maybe it's a 6 out of 12. I don't know. But like, it just really grates against me. If and you give it a 6 out of 12, that would be easier to get the middle point between our scores. It would, but I'm, I'm going to stick with the 5 out of 12. Brutal. Okay. Um, just because like, literally the first, I, the first song I listened to, I'm like, oh, okay. But this just reminds me of other songs that I'd much rather listen to. And that's how I felt for that throughout the entire album outside of like two songs. I, um, I, I wish I could uh, extend the same level of understanding that you've been trying to to extend to me with my review but to your review and i just can't you know and that's okay and again <laughs> nothing I, nothing in this album makes me want to listen 
nothing in this album makes me want to listen to something else. No, and and again, I'm very aware. I am on an island on this one. <laughs> you are alone. And I'm I'm okay with that, but that just makes me it just hardens me. Oh yeah, I, like I got a you. good like a good northerner. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I'm I'm giving it a five out of twelve, but five you're giving it but you're giving it a ten out of twelve, and so if we kind of aggregate those things, it, it'd be between a seven and an eight out of twelve, and in that area, yeah. in yeah. that ballpark. So I'm gonna tell you the albums that are kind of in that ballpark, yeah, and then we can kind of decide where it should rank among where those. it should rank. Um, I'm gonna give you three albums, okay. Um, I'm going to be nice, and I'm going to give the higher three instead of the lower three, okay? Destroyers, Rubies, The Shape of Color, The Beautiful Game. That's kind it's of better the, than all of those. It's better than all of those. I would put it maybe above Destroyers, Rubies. Really? Yeah. You're going to listen to, you're going to listen to Intervals more than you're going to listen to IDK Hell. Yes. I think Intervals is a much more enjoyable listen for me. I think the melodic metal is much more enjoyable. It doesn't get bogged down in any of this pretentious holier than thou bullshit. <laughs> like, I really did enjoy intervals, even though like it. Even though not, you fought me on the score, I did fight you on the score, but I really, really enjoyed it. I just didn't think it was as good as Wolfpack. Um, but I, I, I enjoyed it immensely more than I enjoyed this album. So it, it seems Man. like we're we're deciding where where it falls down. It around intervals that would be my assumption because there's no way i'm yeah. letting you put this above wolfpack i will go to my door <laughs> <laughs> the album's not as good as you think it is josh uh <laughs> i will go to my grave all right if it was an album that i did not if i had not felt as much pretentious bullshit in this album as i do mm-hmm. through the lyrics I would be willing to like have you, the discussion between this between like Wolfpack. You're, yeah. you're paraphrasing you literally like two minutes ago. Uh huh. In a parallel universe, you didn't do all the research before you listened through the album a few times. Yes. No, I know. And you hypothetically get in that universe gave it like a seven out of twelve. In that hypothetical universe, it would still be below the shape of color in the beautiful game for me. So I th- I say <laughs> I say because those albums were really close together and they were in very close view. together. Yes, I say let's let's drive a little wedge between them. A, 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 a tight little wedge in between That's them. A, a wee little wedge. You know what? Um, I I can admit when my like disdain for pretentious bullshit, even though I am full of pretentious bullshit, <laughs> and I understand the hypocrisy that lies within me. Right. Um. I can admit that, like, I'm I'm on an island on this for the most part, uh-huh. and objectively, more objectively than what I'm talking about this album, it is it is probably better than what I'm talking about it. So I'm willing to put it in between the beautiful game and the shape of color. I'm gonna, I will put $5 down right now that in 6 to 12 months, you're going to come back to this album, for, or, like, a single uh-huh. track from this album is going to play when we're hanging out or something, mm-hmm. and you're going to be like, Fuck, this is actually pretty fucking good. And you know what? Can I double that bet so that way we both make $10? <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
All right, so uh, after all of that negotiation, which welcome to the rest of the episodes of Tape Makers, apparently. <laughs> um, our top five looks like this. It is still number one of all time is Pieces of a Man by Gil Scott Heron. Boarding House Reach by Jack White. I Go Missing in My Sleep by Wilson. The Beautiful Game by Wolfpack. And the number five album of all time is Razzmatazz by I Don't Know How. Top five, baby! But, but they found me. They found me. All right, and that leaves the top, the bottom five, the, the worst five, the why the fuck did you make this album five of all time. <laughs> You know what number five? The fifth, the fifth worst is. God damn it. That's not what that is. So currently, the fifth worst album ever recorded in human history is Blood Pressures by The Kills. I'm SMIDH right now. After that, the fourth worst album of all time ever recorded by human history is As the Eternal Cowboy by Against Me. Fucking brutal. Below that, the third worst album ever recorded by humans is Big Mess by Danny Elfman. Below that, this literally, they're lucky something else exists because otherwise this would be the worst album of all time, is 10 by Furl Jam. And finally, the worst fucking music of all time put together in one album by a human a human by a human being is Wasteland Baby by Hoysier you know if this list were entirely mine <laughs> you, this is gonna hurt you more than anything else no go for it I'm, I'm ready for it I think Wasteland Baby and uh I fall I fall asleep in my dreams I go missing in my sleep I go missing in my sleep those would be right next to each other um does that mean they'd both be at the bottom no, it means okay. they both be at l- fairly low. <laughs> no, that's not true. No, um, I I understand that. It, they would be both ranked at opposite ends of the same list, which would be separate from this list. <laughs> if you had your own list, they would be a lot closer together because music musically they are closer together yeah because musically both of those albums are so boring but not bad just boring i'll fight you on half of that (laughs) all right let's get our new albums all right so let us go to our album poll list if uh the internet decides that i'm allowed to pull up that google doc all right, so we are on to picking the albums. New albums. New albums. Let's go about it. So we got the 10-side die right here. I will go first. I gave us a five. We're doing it. Timing is Everything by Vauxhall Broadcast. Wow, that's an album I have not listened to for a long time. I'm very excited to talk about this album with you. Oh, God. The, the next album, the next episode, no matter what the fuck else we talk about, is going to be just like nostalgic bullshit i'm nervous yeah you should be what if it's not or it's not good it's not good what if it's like a really bad album what if everything we knew was a lie i got a quattro got a quattro all right so that means we are doing eons by mimicking birds holy okay so i gotta mention real quick because i forgot to while we were talking about uh i go missing in my sleep uh that 
I couldn't shake the thought while listening to that album that this was just a less good version of Eons by Mimicking Birds. And so I pulled out my phone and I put it on the list. So you know what? Now we get to figure out whether or not it is a worse version. We, we, get, of, yeah, we, we get to do them back to back. Let's fucking go. Oh, God. This time what next an episode. week. This time next week, we're going to officially know for sure. Yeah, next n- next episode, we will know for sure whether or not Wilson is an imitation of Mimicking Birds or if Mimicking Birds is an imitation of Wilson. Well, Mimicking Birds was first, so. Okay, but like in terms of goodness. We'll save it for <laughs> next episode, Josh. You know what? Think. This was this was a very this was I knew going in this would be the most testing episode and oh, it did not yeah. disappoint but uh, I think we we came to some good conclusions I feel good about everything feel good about your musical uh, choices and ideas of music even though I I may disagree with some of them so I still respect I still respect you even though you may be wrong about certain listen, things listen no yeah. I, I I know I'm wrong about some things <laughs> even though you're I'm waving at you as the boat uh, pulls away from the islands. Bye, and, Josh. And you just see that bus rolling over me Maybe and then someday. back over me and then back over me. And you're just like, man, you put yourself in front of that bus, but that sucks that you're getting run over and backed over and run <laughs> you over. You went to the back. Prometheus school of getting out from under buses. That's what happens. That's right. I'm that uh, Simpsons gif of the dude just stepping on rakes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yes, that is how me, a 28-year-old, experiences The Simpsons now. Not through TV, but through gifts. I've never watched an episode of The Simpsons in my life. I probably have, but not on purpose. Anywho. Anyways, thank you all for listening to Tape Makers. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. We got a fucking Instagram. <laughs> We're real millennials. Uh, so you can find us at Tape Makers Pod uh, on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, so for all of us, uh, you know, for those now entering the metaverse, according to Mark Zuckerberg, <gasps> I am I, I am off Facebook now. Congratulations! One day I wish to not have a job that required me to have a Facebook account. Wish. Uh, and you can also email us if you're like super old. Uh, you can email us at uh, tapemakerspod at gmail.com. My Twitter handle's my name. You can follow me on Instagram at my name. And also you can follow my film photography, which is like kind of bullshit, but it's fine at uh, Dollar Film Photography. And then uh, y- y'all lovely people can follow Jared at his Instagram, which is Jared Richard. Um, and then also uh, Medium Doormat, which is his uh, film, mostly medium format camera film work correct uh, started as mostly medium and city, is city yeah um bully jared into getting to twitter because he would like twitter i have twitter i just it's the same it's what we were talking about earlier i <laughs> i don't have the patience to follow enough people to have a real feed Bo- bully jared into getting a good algorithm on twitter <laughs> Um, and as always, if you want us to talk about specific albums, you can let us know. And every five episodes, we do a friends and family episode where we talk about our friends and family's favorite albums. And then we judge their musical tastes, which is definitely not intimidating at all. (laughs) Um, so as always, thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, if you, uh, are listening on a podcast platform that allows you to rate or review, the album that would be super super appreciated um as always please share this with anyone that you think would enjoy this i've been jared (laughs) 
And I've been Josh. And uh, Jared, what do we tell the lovely people every single time we log off? Every time we log off, we tell the lovely people, hey, you know what? Life's difficult. Uh-huh.